Welcome to the Triple M's Dead Set Legends podcast for Sportsbet. Follow your multi the easy way with Sportsbet's AFL Same Game Multi Tracker. Conditions apply. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. For your Saturday morning, we've got the biggest sports show in town. Let's go, go, go! Triple M's Dead Set Legends. A legendary. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lockman, Lima. What a legend. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. It is Triple M's Dead Set Legends, but a different looking Dead Set Legends. Basically, that opener is wrong. Don't listen to it. <laughs> Levi and I are here, but Tom Brown, good morning and welcome. Yeah. Good morning, Hello. Good morning, Lemo. Lemo and I have been reunited for a one-off Dead Set Legends. Oh, I love it. You two go way back, do you? We do indeed. We worked together for many years at Gold, a uh, number of years ago, competing radio station, and uh, we had we had quite the partnership there with Joe Stanley. Oh, we did. Oh, well, this is just mm. like old times. Unfortunately, yes. Joe... Joey Montagna, well, he's got his son's birthday, so right. family comes first. And then also Jay-Z, he's been a bit under the weather, so dropping like flies a little bit today. But it's great to have you here, Tom. Can I put this to the two of you? This is arguably the best sporting weekend of the year. Because can okay. I just go, well, we've got the AFL and the NRL, of course, as we do every weekend. Ashes. There's a Grand Prix in Austria. There's golf, a PGA tournament in Detroit. There's the Ashes on. Uh, we've got Wimbledon kicks off and the Tour de France kicks off this mm. weekend. That's a, that's about as good as it gets. What's yeah. your top three? My, out of that lot? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the Ashes, the footy, and, oh, uh, God. You've got to watch the stuff. When Wimbledon Maybe. rolls around, yeah. 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 I'm just not inspired by tennis at the moment, though. No. Because Novak Djokovic is good and I just can't cop him <laughs> at all. Yeah, I think there's a fair few. <laughs> the experience of going to Wimbledon is unbelievable. It's a bit like being at a, like a sort of a quaint, um, small tennis venue, but one of the most important venues in the world. And there's, there's grass growing up on the walls and you have your strawberries and your champagne. It's yeah. a magnificent place. Have Wimbledon. you ever covered Wimbledon or you've only been? I covered it briefly for seven. I did a few news uh, stories when we had the rights about 10 years ago. What I had a, a pass that basically got you around everywhere. Oh. Yeah. And it was still old school. Like They were like, you know, in terms of the broadcasting, all the, the broadcast areas had wires running through them and it wasn't sort of digitised and all those types of things. And you could stand at one court, but you could see it's so small you could see three matches going on at once. So it's a real amphitheatre. Right. It's an amazing so you, place. You thought it was going to be a bit bigger and grander. I thought it'd be more like uh, Melbourne Park, but it's yeah. a lot more old school. I mean, without uh, sounding too uh, <laughs> unusual, it's a bit like being at Royal South Yarra Tennis Club or even Kuya. <laughs> like, uh, it's really no, hey, small Tom, and intimate. No, it isn't. <laughs> but you do. The English are very good at giving you a good sense of the history. Certainly at Wimbledon and at Lords as well. You get it when when you're there. You can get a good sense of the history. And what I watched is it Crawley and Duckett. Mm. They walked out to bat for England, who sound like Savile Row tailors from the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I really felt like I was back in the day there. Uh, what about Lords. Duckett? He'd be spewing missing oh, out on 198, getting out 98 in an Ashes Test at Lords. 90s. Does it get any worse? No, there's not much that makes me happier than <laughs> seeing a bomb hey, dismissed for 99. We appreciate you filling in today, Tom, especially considering you were in Sydney last night for the footy. And I want to ask you about that next because it was a strange game, but it, it caught my attention. I wasn't watching <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, the cricket. I was watching the footy. It was the best, worst match I've ever seen, I reckon. <laughs> That's how I summed it Good up. Summation. Post game. And it is a stunning night in Sydney. The Swans and the Cats. So Braden Campbell, he lets fly Sydney with the first. Bolly Henry strolls inside 50, punches the drop putt on the run, and nails it. Campbell, happily round the body. God, Myers 
Myers fires a goal, Myers has kicked it. Tom Hawkins, the Tomahawk puts the Cats on top. Brayden Campbell to the red wicket. There you go. Oh, look at him. Oh, he knew. Myers scores, scores level. A draw at the SCG in Friday night footy. Crazy scenes after Geelong smashed the Sydney Swans in last year's grand final and again earlier this year. It was a draw between the Swans and Geelong. Unfortunately for the Sydney Swans, it's probably one that's going to play on their minds for some time because they kicked six goals, 18. They had so many opportunities, but they've had to settle for two points. So it sees Geelong temporarily jump into the eight, while the Sydney Swans, they are 12th, four points uh, off the eight. Tom Brown, you were there for Channel 7. What was the mood like at the ground? Did it feel like it was one the Swans should have won? Well, the Swans dominated the first half and didn't capitalise and the Cats always have nine lives, don't they? They're always going to come <laughs> back if you give them a chance. That's exactly what happened. In the end, Sydney was lucky to get the two points and Geelong was lucky that Sydney kicked so inaccurately. It was just one of those strange, strange games. I felt like the players were exhausted. There was a degree of intensity about the game, but mm. that didn't explain the inaccuracy, it just became infectious. That And it just got under everyone's skin, even the crowd. You could feel it. Everyone got tense. The more goals that Hickey and Fox and all these guys missed absolute gimmies. Were conditions a factor? Because a lot of people were, t- I mean, I heard Patrick Dangerfield post-game say it was, you know, it was quite a strange night at the SCG. Some talking about a bit of a swirling breeze. What was it like there? Yeah, the, the breeze was coming across ground. the ground towards the Fox Studios. It wasn't going either at the Paddington end or the Randwick end. And it meant that it was very difficult to score goals at the Paddington end and did affect the opposite end. And it definitely affected uh, the way that they were scoring, for sure. Uh, well, we have put together a package of the best misses from last night because that is as bad a goal-kicking effort as I think we've seen in a very, very long time. So it was a little tribute to the Swans. Uh, here's our, uh, here's the, here are some of the misses from last night. First score of the season coming up for Tom Hickey. Pokes it and misses from 15 metres out. McLean takes them up. Normally an accurate drop punt. Kicks from 30 metres out and the goal umpire working overtime. Hickey, look out. What's going through the mind of big Tom Hickey? Now he kicks directly in front. 35 metres out. It's another poke now. McDonald's out here. Oh, he dropped the mark. And soccer's off the cross. Oh, the Fox should put the Swans in front. Oh, It was comical. That was a great clip. Unbelievable. Great music to put to that. Did you see Buddy Franklin's reaction at one point? He was insane. The camera locked off on poor old Buddy. But his reactions, yeah, they told the story last night. Full marks to Buddy being there, though, obviously not playing at the moment. And uh, he was front and square in their box, and he's very committed to their program. Some discussion points, I guess, out of the game. Buddy, potentially a farewell game at the MCG as far as his Melbourne career is concerned this Thursday night. Would it be great to see him? I asked... The Swans about that. They seem optimistic that he could play, and they might want to switch up their forward line. They can't go with too many talls, but it'd be great to see Bud in action Thursday night at the MCG, mm. which could, unless Sydney made the finals, be one of his last game. Well, would be his last game, you'd think, in Melbourne. Do you anticipate an announcement coming anytime soon from the Sydney Swans? Because if it is his last game at the MCG, and I think they've got another game at Marvel Stadium coming up, which would be his last game in Melbourne in if Melbourne. the Swans don't make finals. Um People want to farewell him, don't they? So do you anticipate the Swans making an announcement? No, is my, in my bones, because I just feel that Bud doesn't like any attention yeah. and that he wouldn't sort of yeah. be comfortable with that. Limo, yeah. you know him better than I do. There, there'd be another 20,000 people running onto the ground if they, yeah. if they announced it. I, I think he would rather slip away quietly.
Jeremy Cameron, a big chance of returning from concussion this coming week. Spoke to Nigel Lappin and the Cats about that pregame. I know there was some, I think some murmurings around that uh, he's got a shoulder problem, but Geelong seem optimistic that he could be back as soon as this weekend. Will Brad Close get a game for his tackle on Aaron Francis last night? It's Lotto. I think he could, but I say could because it wasn't even a free kick. So that's how much confusion exists in regards yeah. to that, those dangerous tackles. Yeah, and Francis did play out the game, didn't he? So yeah, he looked a bit helps. dazed initially, but uh, he did play out the game, absolutely. Hey, we've got Jared Harbrow joining us next because there is a massive game between the Gold Coast Suns and Collingwood coming up this afternoon. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. The Dead Set Legends on Melbourne's 105.1 Triple M. Sport is full of legends, and so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan, and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Hey, massive game coming up on the Gold Coast this afternoon between the Suns and the Magpies. 4.35 bounce, and it is a sellout for the first time since 2014 in that Pies game when 24,032 attended. As many as 12,000 Collingwood fans, you tell us, uh, Tom, are set to make the trip. So it's going to be all eyes on the Gold Coast this afternoon. One man who is there, he's currently the Indigenous Programs Lead at the Gold Coast Suns. He played 262 AFL games, 70 with the Bulldogs, 192 with the Suns, is Jared Harbrow. Jared, welcome to Triple M Set Set Legends. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Hey, this is going to be a massive game. How's the buzz amongst the club, knowing such a big crowd's going to be there and it's a massive game for both teams? Yeah, I think the build-up um, in the last, oh, I suppose, month has been pretty big leading up to this game. Um, I know all the all the corporate guys and partners are all all pretty happy that the hospitality and all that stuff has has been sold out. But I think it's just yeah, awesome, awesome for the Gold Coast. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, back in 2014 was the last time we we had a uh, had a sellout. So looking forward to it. Um, just another game. Um, it's a big game, but the boys are yeah, the boys are ready. And uh, Gary Ablett, of course, did his shoulder in that game. The Gold Coast were having a good season up until that point. Jared, I had Cam Mooney said to me once that he reckons the best football that any footballer has played in the last 20 years is Gary Ablett at the Gold Coast Suns. And he says the great shame of it is that just not many people got to see it because the fixturing of the games and the live crowds weren't huge. Would you agree that's the best footy you've seen anyone play? I oh, certainly the best player um, that I've played with um, or against. And I think when he came up to the Suns, he was, um, oh, I was only 20, 21, 22, and the Gaz was only 26 as well. So he's still um, coming to um, the best years of his footy. Um, and, yeah, some of the, the numbers um, that he was able to get um, back then, like you're talking 30, 30 to 40 touches and averaging two or three goals. Um, so just crazy um, that someone was, was able to do that so consistently, getting heavily tagged every game. Um, but it was just good to... Um, I, I reckon it was really, really important for all the young lads um, that was at our football club to be around um, Gaz at the time and, and to be able to witness, um, yeah, one of the best players to ever play the game and be up and close and, yeah, get a really good good view of um, what it takes. So, yeah, I reckon um, certainly his football back then was was as good as I've seen. Jared, um, you're obviously doing the Indigenous programs lead currently at the club. Talk to us about how the Gold Coast in recent times, particularly post-COVID, has become a bit of a destination club. I know speaking to coaches, they all, all want the uh, coveted coaching job, particularly with the list and living on the Gold Coast. 
I think a lot of people experienced the Gold Coast during COVID in the footy community and thought this is just perhaps one of the best places to live in Australia. Oh, I reckon. Um, oh, at the moment, it's, the weather the weather's been absolutely amazing. I don't know what it's like down that way, but um, yeah, it's, it's uh, it was obviously really challenging um, for everyone for the whole footy industry um, during COVID. Um, so everyone did get the chance to come up to the Gold Coast here, whether they were staying here on the Gold Coast or the Sunshine Coast, and just got to experience what life was like um, in the hub. Um, and yeah, I think. Um, a lot of football clubs learnt a lot about um, themselves at that stage, and yeah, we were just lucky that we, we were up here. Um, it was it was sort of business as usual um, for us. Um, we we were lucky we didn't have to travel too much, um, and yeah, I think it was an advantage for us. But that's probably what we want our football club to be. Um, we haven't had the greatest success on field um, in recent times, so to be able to hear that our clubs um, starting to become destination clubs. Um, club for players and coaches. Um, that's that's what we want. We've worked so hard since 2011 to to get ourselves in a position to where we are now. Um, and yeah, if, if the more success we're going to have on field, I think it's, it's only going to become more of a destination football club. Yeah, and hopefully we see a lot more success in the second half of the season. You're evenly poised right now. Seven wins, seven losses, and a massive sellout game this afternoon. All the best, and thanks so much for joining us on Dead Set Legends. Thanks, guys. See you later. Jared Harbour are doing great work at the Gold Coast Suns as their Indigenous programs lead. Do you yes, give Gold Limo? Coast a chance today, Kath? I do give them a chance. Yeah. 100% I have tipped the pies, but I I'm, I'm, wouldn't be surprised if the Suns win. My I'd, I'd love to see Gold Coast camp get up. is that they're genuinely concerned and they take this game very seriously this afternoon. They're it, right onto it. Craig McRae and the whole team. It stands out to me when... Um, Christian Petrarca following the, I think the Demons beat the Suns by about five points earlier in the season, in the season on the Gold Coast. And Christian Petrarca said post game, do not underestimate this side, particularly yeah. here. So it's another, uh, it's a different task playing the Gold Coast Suns on the Gold Coast compared to, say, at the MCG or whatnot, because there's just, it's, mm. it's a different, different conditions, different, different vibe up there at the and, Gold Coast. And a big game for Stuart Dew. There's certainly a, f- a view amongst my sources in football that the AFL would like to see Damien Hardwick in the appropriate circumstances, coach the Gold Coast Suns. Big Stewie's oh. not doing a lot wrong at the moment. You're scoffing a little bit, Limo, which is fair I'm, enough. I'm just, I'm just, I'm poor, who'd want to be a coach? I mean, D- Dimmer comes but, back and says, you know what, I've got a taste for it again. And 16 or 15 coaches just go, oh, great. But do you know why? Because a lot of the coaches uh, liked living there during COVID. That was, yeah. that was to my, my point. Even Chris Scott, there's an interesting article from Mark Robinson in, I think, the Herald Sun today about uh, how he wouldn't necessarily just want to sort of meander or wander into the final year of his coaching contract at Geelong without a, a view as to what he wants to do. I, I think a lot of coaches would like to take over that list and, and have that mm. job up there. But you're saying the AFL would like to see Damien Hardwick coach Gold Coast Suns. That's what people tell me for sure. Yeah. Has, has uh, I'm thinking out loud here, but has Damien Hardwick played a long game? Has he months ago thought, you know, I wouldn't mind coaching Gold Coast? What's the best pathway there? What if I quit now? That'll give a bit of fresh air and enable them to consider me for next season. Well, he killed two birds with a one stone. I went to his final press conference. He looked like a bloke that needed a holiday. He went to the States. Now he's gone to Europe, so he's had a good break. So he'll take the best part of four or five months off, and there might be three or four opportunities, including the Gold Coast, up at the end of the year. He's the best coach, arguably, in modern football history, apart from Alistair Clarkson. So clubs will be duty-bound to sand him out. Yeah. When he's saying two weeks post resignation that he misses it, then you get the feeling he's going <laughs> to be somewhere. He's going to be somewhere in yes. 2024, and and the game will be better for it. Needs a break. 
Yes, and he's enjoying Europe as we speak, as is everyone else on my Instagram. It's really uh, painful to watch, isn't it? Yeah, muting them all. Hey, Limo, your top five is coming up next. Give us a hint as to what it is. You've just reminded me of the FOMO I get every morning when I turn on Instagram. Isn't it the worst? I hate it. Because when you wake up, you see all their daily updates from the previous 24 hours. Friends, Tom Gleason and Pete Elliott, (laughs) both good friends of mine, I'm watching their European holidays, just going, exactly. (laughs) And now they're at Lord's. Oh, God. Um, Uh, Top five? (laughs) Yes. Places, places you'd rather be. It's a top 100 this week. <laughs> the Dead Set Legends. Triple M. It is now time for Lemo's Top 5. Yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time in the morning, Tom Brown. Uh, when, we, <laughs> when we get to the top five, day one over the ashes at the beginning of the second over. Uh, some nut jobs ran onto the pitch oh, and started throwing isn't orange. is annoying? I mean, I, but then the Bairstow carrying one of them off was quite funny. The, the Bairstow carry off was outstanding, I've got to say. But it's annoying. They turn up to everything these days. You know what? I think it's a global warming thing or a climate change thing. It makes me want to burn plastic in the street. When I see, <laughs> honestly, I, I want to accelerate global warming when I see them run out onto the ground. It infuriates me that much. Uh, so that leads to this week's top five, The uh, which is this. On Triple M's Dead Set Legends, it's Limo's Top 5. Pitch Invaders. Uh, Oh, there's plenty of these. There's plenty to choose from, but what makes a pitch invader great is the commentary that goes with it. If the commentators get on board... Uh, so coming in at number five. Brian Taylor's got a feature. (laughs) Yes, our very own Brian Taylor, Sydney v St Kilda. Earlier this season, he called it beautifully. We've got a streaker. And have a look at some of the running styles on these security guys. Look at old stiff arm over there and stiff neck. He's running with straight legs. Here he comes. Oh, boy. There's 15 men dressed in black out there. And he's going to beat them all to the other side of the ground. He's done his hamstring. The men in black. He has. And he's got a hammy. And, boy, they look stiff as <laughs> Apart from a Secret Service breach, Limo, nothing exposes lazy security better than a, this sort of situation, does it? Oh, it was or unfit security. <laughs> when people, when streakers run rings around security, it's highly do entertaining. Do they do a running test as part of the job application? Like, surely. That Clearly that lot did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do one. Uh, now we're going to, coming to number four, we're going to wind the clock back to 2008. Uh, and this one featured the late, great Andrew Simons as a streaker, ran onto the ground, and he hip and shouldered the streaker. And didn't Richie Benno just do it beautifully? Well, that uh, streaker, well, he could have done some injury to Andrew Simons there because he seemed to run straight at him, and all of a sudden, he was on his back. <laughs> <laughs> just lovely from Richie Benno. Uh, coming to number three. Let's wind the clock back to the 1982 grand final. Richmond Carlton at the MCG. Lou Richards and Peter Landy here calling Helen D'Amico. <laughs> I'm speechless. Oh, Johnson. I didn't know what his wife would have to say about that. Well, she certainly uh, disrupted everything here at the moment. It's a tip of Make the commentators lose their concentration too, I think. Uh, Coming in at number two, we're going back to 1993, and Sandy Roberts called it at the SCG. There's a pig on the ground. (laughs) There is a pig 
at full forward. Oh, he's on a lead. He's on a lead. Get the runner out there and uh. pick up the pick. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff from the commentators. But coming in at number one, we're heading overseas. Super Bowl 55, uh, Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. And Kevin Harlem, the commentator here, this is some of the greatest commentary you'll ever get of a pitch invader. 5-0-3 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. <laughs> uh, Kevin Harlan. Uh, the he just stayed in the one. mode, didn't he? He was just <laughs> calling whatever he saw. He just called it beautifully. But that's our top five, Kath. Pitch invasions this yeah. week. Uh, but BT's call of that SCG. Very good. Very it was good. very funny. <laughs> hey, we've got uh, Rusty joining us next to chat all things motorsport. You've got a few questions. You love your F1, don't you, Tom Brown? I love F1, Kath. Yeah. Back so to got... my Michael Schumacher and Mika Hacken and admiration days. I've no. always liked it since the late 90s. So you would have loved Drive to Survive as well? Yep, 100%. Yep. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. And a reminder, you can listen to the Rusty's Garage podcast for free on the Listener app. Good morning to you, Rusty. Hey, Supercars champs Shane Van Gisbergen, he's in the US this weekend for his NASCAR debut. How's he going? So far, so good, uh, Cass. So obviously we'll know in 48 hours' time properly. They're racing there on the streets of Chicago, but he's gone over and kind of immersed himself in it with some time on uh, a simulator, importantly some testing time, some pit stop practice and so on. Um, Shane's very mindful about the regulars um, in this sport, but just as he does in supercars, as you'll hear here, he intends to race with that same competitive style we've come to know him for. Yeah, I fully intend to race like I do in Australia. Just because there's no rules here doesn't mean I'm going to go crazy taking people out. You know, everyone here is racing for a good result, racing for their points championships. I plan to be respectful and, you know, hopefully be someone that they look on as good to race so you don't get some, don't get beat up later on. Hey, Rusty, how do the Americans feel about Aussies going over there and having a crack? Do they do they warm to us straight away? Is there a nice novelty factor? Limo, you've got to remember, Marcus Ambrose did that very successfully, right? And they remember that in the last, uh, you know, 15 years or so, what he achieved over there. So Shane actually consulted Marcus for a bit of advice about how to go about this. Um, he just, he's had a bit of a tough start to the supercar season, as you know, but Shane sounds really invigorated by this limo. He's loving the thought of it. He's committed to supercars for this year and obviously 2024. But if options come up where he can go and explore a bit of this and it gives him the buzz, um, I, I think he might do a little bit more of it. And more than a few of us think he will impress on Monday morning our time. Rusty, I'm looking forward to the F1 in Austria this weekend. It looks like Lando Norris went okay for McLaren. What's the situation with Piastri and the parts on his car and their relative pace? They are making some wholesale changes to that car in a bid to improve it. And sometimes that means that uh, the late-night work being done at the factory, they can't necessarily replicate everything. So some of those new go-fast bits are on Lando's car. As you rightly say, it seems to be working for him. It'll be the same on Oscar's car at the British Grand Prix, which is just around the corner. Um, so hopefully that, that sort of um, you know, uptick in form that we've seen from Lando here continues. Max Verstappen fastest in qualifying overnight from Charles Leclerc. 
And Rusty, say it ain't so. Daniel Ricciardo could be suiting up in the second half of the season. <laughs> Limo, we uh, are all kind of hoping. I know there's probably a little bit of a reality check involved in this. What The, the dot joining here, very simply, Nick DeVries, who runs in the sister Red Bull team, what they call Alpha Tauri, is not having a great run. He's qualified last overnight. The rumours coming out of Austria are that the man who advises Red Bull on all of its driver and rider lineups has basically said, yeah, Helmut Marco, you got it, has basically said, lift your game. You've got until the summer break to deliver. So we're all starting to think, would that mean Dan Ricciardo got an opportunity in the back half of the year? And the Kiwis are all following it closely too because young Liam Lawson, who races in Japan, could be another option for them as well. One to watch. Hey, Rusty, appreciate your time. See you, gang. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Can you believe the mayhem (laughs) over getting Taylor Swift tickets? I mean, I knew she was big, but I didn't Mm. know she was this big. It's extraordinary. I know. That is a great tune, isn't it? It's a great song. It's a good message. It's a really good film. My son loves dancing to it. So catchy. What blows my mind is how popular she is amongst a lot of people. I mean, I think guys, like, would you admit to really loving Shake It Off? I think guys now just admit that they love the Yes, they do. She's so big. Like, it would have been embarrassing five years ago to say, oh, yeah, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. But now it's like, no, there's a category of fans it's, called it's... called Swifty Dads. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like, so she covers every demographic, Taylor Swift. And if you claim to be a Swifty, you now get assessed on your genuine knowledge. Like I think even the Prime Minister recently said he right. was a Swifty. And people were like, well, are you? And they were asking specific questions on specific albums. <laughs> oh, wow. right. I would fail that test. Where, Tom Brown would pass that test. I know on your uh, number one playlist on your phone, you've got a number of Taylor Swift Yeah, I like, more cont- like the latest stuff, like Evermore and Folklore. I'm right into it. And <laughs> Is that the latest so. stuff? Yeah. I remember I went on a road trip in California and that um, State of Grace 22, that album, I don't know what it was called. Oh, I right. think it was Red. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Red was the album. I had that on repeat. There's some great tunes on that one. Yeah, and she's putting on a three and a half hour show. Really? Well. Yes. Number of costume changes. Yeah. Uh, so I hear. Anyway, I couldn't get a ticket. I one of the reasons I wanted to yeah, get. Yeah, actually, t- I probably should have asked you guys straight off the top. Did you try again? I ticket? did try yesterday, and I stared at my computer updating for like three hours, and just went, "Okay, that's enough. Come on, mate." <laughs> what, what are you, you doing? I want to go. I'm going to have to tap into some contacts. I might have to hit up the MCs. I didn't buy any. Oh, there you go. I just want to be at the MCG with a hundred thousand people when there's no queue at the bar. Because yeah. I don't think Taylor Swift fans are big drinkers. No, no. <laughs> you can pull up a stool to the bar, I reckon. That would be a great experience. Well, it'll be 100,000 or is it more, I think, like 80 because she's got to have a bit of bit blocked off. She's got a different configuration it's to not Ed, like Sheeran, Ed Sheeran, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's another reason Tom Brown loves Taylor Swift. It's because Taylor Swift has a fleet of jets. She's a dev- devotee of very good jets and quite complicated ones. Like she's got the Falcon 900, which is a three-engine French jet. And she's got the personalised tailplate N89TS. TS obviously representing Taylor Girls, Swift. Firstly, and she's had, how do you know this? I've always followed her uh, her jets. She's got <laughs> magnificent jets. The, the Tom, unique Tom thing about Brown. the Falcon 900 has got three engines as opposed to two. It's got one on the top and then two on the side. And it's a beautiful plane. It's a French plane. I've always liked them. Wait, so how many jets does she have? Well, she had two or three at one stage. I think she might have. Uh, she got a, she, I think she sold one during COVID, but she's still got a couple. This is amazing. And she uses them all the time. There's sites that track her movements on them. And like she gets that criticism, like Leonardo DiCaprio, that you know she claims to be obviously environmentally conscious, but racks up the private jet miles. But she has to because she clearly can't take... Virgin or Qantas. Why, why not? 
Well, there'd be a lot of hoopla around that. I think she's got massive amounts of security. Oh, she'd have she can't to. get around. At home, Tom Brown has posters of Taylor Swift's jets on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> Not Taylor Swift. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. The Dead Set Legends on Melbourne's 105.1 Triple M. Sport is full of legends, and so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan, and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. If people have only just tuned in, you have missed one of the greatest summaries of private jets I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brown just gave us a rundown on Taylor Swift's private jets. It's uh, it is truly extraordinary. Is there? Are you across more artists than Taylor Swift? Yes. <laughs> Mainly who, her. Who, who has the best private jet collection? Is there someone that outdoes Taylor Swift, or, or is she at the top of the private what jet? What about like three? the Kardashians? They've got to be up there. They've got a few. Yeah, they've got Global Expresses, the Kardashians, and they're going well. Um, the Formula One drivers go well. Max Verstappen has got yes. a Falcon, and yeah. uh, Schumacher famously had a number of those. Uh, What's and, the best uh, of the best? Eggleton. Is the Falcon the best? No, the best plane you can get without question, is the Global 7,500. But there's a Gulfstream 650. Paul Little, the former Essendon president yes. and uh, founder of Toll, has one of those. And they can basically fly from Melbourne to LA uh, nonstop, which is pretty incredible. No fuel stop required. Wow. Right. Yeah. So what but is the like... 7,500, the Global 7,500 is the benchmark. So what does like an Elon Musk have, for example? He's got a G650. And yeah. he actually—that's the yeah, same as Paul Little, yeah. The same as Paul Little, right. yeah. They sort of sit forward. They've got the oval windows as opposed to the square windows, that, and they look mm. very good on the ramp, which is on the runway. They look magnificent. Is Jack Payne your favourite footballer? Absolutely <laughs> now. There's no doubt about that. Because this is—if people missed it—this is Jack Payne. I miss this. What happened? He was so, so BT, BT was uh, roaming Brian. Yep. And he was talking to Jack Payne after Brisbane played a couple of weeks ago. And this is what he had to say. You're one of them. You watch all the planes. I'm one of them. I actually had it out of Brizzy Airport on Wednesday morning. Like you, can, you go to the public car park at Brizzy Airport and watch jets take off and land. Yeah, there's a viewing platform about 500 metres left of the terminal there. So wander out with a coffee and uh, get a bit of time. It's good. List the three current models that Qantas have in action in the domestic routes. 737 800, uh, Dash 8 400, um, and they've got the A330 as well. My girlfriend Ellie is down in Melbourne. She'll probably be watching. She's starting to be a pilot jet star. <laughs> That's elite. They're both studying, aren't they? Is Jack Payne studying aviation as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Uh, so they could both end up uh, being pilots. What does Trump have, that big plane with Trump written on the side? Is That's that just a, a refashioned? That's a refashioned 757 Boeing, and he spent a fortune on it. It's got like all the, it's all sort of tricked up and all the rest of it. That's a, that's That's like a commuter plane that's been converted, which is one option or one direction you can go in. So which <laughs> private jet do you have? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or which one will you buy? That will never, ever happen in my life. <laughs> right. Come on, hold out hope. Hold out hope. I'll tell you what, if you earn some MBA money, you could probably buy one. Hey, big news broke in the last 24, 48 hours about Ben Simmons not taking part uh, in the upcoming World Cup for the Boomers. Let's bring in a man who certainly knows all about this and everything going on in the basketball world. His name is Steve Smith. He is not the cricketer, although he gets that his whole <laughs> career. He's a reporter for ESPN Australia. Steve, welcome to Dead Set Legends. G'day, everyone. How's things? Very good, thank you. Just on that, before we delve into basketball and Ben Simmons, how much do you, how much grief do you cop on Twitter and whatnot <laughs> of people thinking you are Steve Smith, the Australian <laughs> batsman? 
Oh, look, it's it's all pretty good banter nowadays. In, probably like five or six years ago, it was a lot. Like, there'd be people in my DMs, there'd be people just tagging me and everything. But, you know, especially with the sandpaper stuff, like, there are people abusing me because I wasn't the actual Steve Smith and they got it wrong. So if I, you know, pointed it out, they'd say, well, you, you can get stuffed as well. So, yeah, no, it's not fun at times, but no, mostly it's all good banter now. There's an English comedian called Tony Hawk who it got oh, so God. bad that he actually gives out skateboarding advice now to people who contact Just him. roll with it. I'm telling you, he just rolls with it now. Yeah. And it's I, should start, I should start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, well, we will ask you about what you're actually specialising in, and that is basketball. Um, you do great work for ESPN Australia. So tell us, bring us up to speed for those who haven't quite heard the news. Ben Simmons, he's not going to be playing for the Boomers at the World Cup. Why? Uh, yeah, look, I don't think anyone should be really that surprised about it, uh, just simply because he legitimately does have a back injury this time. Um, I think the frustration with a lot of basketball fans was from 2019 when he said he was going to play for the Boomers, especially in those warm-up games that we had in Melbourne here against the US team. He then pulled out after signing like a max contract with Philadelphia and his management pretty much told him that he should not play for Australia. So I think the frustration... In, in the past, for him not playing has, has come from that. Um, I, I certainly even his teammates were frustrated then. I, this time around, though, I think it's because the back injury has legitimately hurt him. Um, like, he, he hardly played at all for, for Brooklyn this last season. He still has two years to run on a pretty hefty contract. It was $177 million over five years um, when he signed it with Philly. So I think both Brooklyn and Ben have decided that this is in his best interest. So, Steve, would you draw any implications for the Olympics next year in Paris, or it's too early for that at this stage? I think it's a little bit early for that. Um, I, like Brian Gorgian, the, the Boomers coach, said that he would he was holding out hope, obviously, that Ben might play this time. So, I think the door is always open. Um, it's not like the Boomers need him right now. They've got a pretty deep squad. It's probably the deepest squad they've ever had, to be honest. There's ten current NBA players and another couple who have had previous NBA experience. So he'd be really, really handy, especially at the de- defensive end of the court. But I don't think they need him right now. And, and for 2024, he'd be really nice to have. I desperately want Ben Simmons to have an impact in the NBA. Right. Steve, yep. Is, yep. should I hold my breath? Is it going to happen for Brooklyn? Oh, it's the big question, isn't it? Because when he's at his peak, there's very few players like him. He's six foot ten with a seven foot two wing wingspan. He can handle the ball. He can rebound. And he plays elite defense. The only problem is um, he can't do the one thing that every NBA player should be able to do, and that's shoot. So, um, look, I, I would love to see him return to that All Star status that he had. I, I'm, I'm, I'm it's more hope than um, than anything else at this point, though. And every Aussie uh, absolutely loves Josh Giddy. How are OKC looking for next year? Look, they've got a really, really good young squad, and he's right at the at the at the pointy end of that. Um, he's one of the best playmakers in the NBA, and he's still got so much development and growth. I'm so excited to see what the next five years holds for Josh Giddy. And just finally, hot off the press, is there news about Joe Ingles this morning? There is. Uh, it's NBA free agency season. Um, free agency officially opened overnight in the US, so. Uh, NBA teams have been spending like there's no tomorrow. So I think over just over a billion dollars in the first three hours was committed to new oh, contract. Um, that's change. US money too. So Joe Ingalls was in on that. He got two years and 22 million US dollars from the Orlando Magic to go down to 
sunny Florida. Um, so he'll he'll fit in really well there. He's, he'll be 36 when season opens. It's a young team. They need veterans, and he's a sharp shooting guy who won't take minutes from the young guys, and he'll be an excellent locker room presence. So that's a really good signing for, for both Joe and Orlando. Great. And is Jack White going to be back at Denver next year? Uh, yeah, I'd say so at this stage. He he was on a two-way deal. Um, there's no reason to suggest that they won't uh, give him another another look. He he was good in the games that he appeared in, and uh, I, I'd like to see them give him a, a few few more minutes. It'd be great. Hey, Steve, we really appreciate you coming on Dead Set Legends this morning. No worries, guys. Thanks, Steve. Good on him, Steve Smith from ESPN Australia. Imagine being on that kind of coin. And he talks about those NBA contracts. And it's like, you know, Joe Ingalls, who we love and who's a, just mm. a fantastic bloke, great Hawthorne fan, uh, Joe Ingalls. But he's 36, coming towards the end of his career, and then you just get two, two years, 22 mil. There you go. Nice. It comes with expectation, Amazing. but will set you up forever. Yeah. Imagine the planes you could buy, Tom. <laughs> planes. <laughs> hey, Tom Brown, need to come to you with a bit of a – Footy recap, because last night it was a strange old game. I think you said earlier it was the best worst game you've seen, Mike. Was was that it? Most intense, one of the most intense games I've seen, but one of the worst games in terms of skill execution, particularly in front of goal. It was a bit like Limo, I likened it when we spoke this morning to uh, watching Greg Norman just tense up in the final (laughs) round of the Masters. It got more infectious, the goal kicking issues throughout the night. Uh, Watching Hickey and his two set shots that he absolutely sprayed reminded of me off the tee playing golf, (laughs) just spraying them all over the place. For those who missed last night's footy, it was a draw between the Sydney Swans and Geelong at the SCG, 54 all, but the story, one of the stories of the game is that the Swans were wildly inaccurate, six goals, 18. How did they both uh, sum it up, the two coaches post-game? John Longmire, not surprisingly, post-game was reasonably positive, I guess, in the context of them being beaten by 81 points by Geelong in the grand final, then 90-plus points in round six this year. So, you know, from Sydney's perspective, it was an improvement. This was John Longmire um, speaking post-game. Well, in particular, I thought we played pretty well. I thought we were... We were um very strong in, in all aspects of the game, you know, that's um, except the finishing. And so, you know, that's an important part of the game. If you look at the, you know, the, the way the game was played in that first half, we did everything right except finish it and uh, finish the work off on the scoreboard. So that was disappointing. So Sydney's still technically in the hunt, although it does look like they're a little bit off the pace, but that's just so congested around that eighth spot on the ladder. So they're only a game outside the eight as it currently stands. Uh, And I believe 1963 was the last time that the two grand finalists from the previous year didn't make finals. Uh, really? The subsequent year. Good stat. That, yeah, thanks. Got that on Triple M last night. <laughs> and, uh, it's hard to envisage a situation where Geelong wouldn't make it, though, isn't it? It's mm. hard to imagine, but I'll tell you, that's kind of where we're headed, I think. They've got a, quite a few games still to come at GMHBA Stadium, don't they, in the second half of the season. So no teams particularly like going there and, and playing the Cats, and they'll have to do so in the second half. And I, I spoke to a bloke who spoke to a bloke mm. who heard from a bloke who knows a guy. Who reckons Jeremy? Sounds like my reporting, Lee. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who reckons? He tried to tell me that Jeremy Cameron's shoulders cooked, but you've got some more insight on that. I spoke to Nigel Lappin uh, pre-game, and they seemed optimistic. The Cats that, from a concussion point of view, Cameron would be back as soon as next week. So I know that there's the shoulder issue. I actually spoke to Jeremy down in Geelong about that. But I think Jeremy Cameron has a strong chance of returning as soon as this weekend, which would be interesting. Another discussion point last night was a few calls in relation to play on. And uh, I actually asked Chris Scott about this issue post-game. He reckons that uh, 
the uh, Swans in particular were right on to the 30-second shot clock in effect or the time clock. He thinks they might have been, uh, he reckons they might have been looking at the, the time clock in terms of maybe a bit of insider right. SCG knowledge there. He also had this to say in relation to the uh, play on interpretations last night. You know, you can come miles off your line these days and the umpire won't call you, but as soon as you sort of shape to kick and go 10 centimetres off your line, it calls you to play on. That's just the inconsistency there, not, not from the umpires, I mean, around the ruling and the interpretation that, that they're provided doesn't make any sense to me. Is that in a roundabout way having a go at the umpires? Because I know the AFL's tightened up on perhaps getting a fine in that regard. Mm. What do you think, Kath? Yeah, I'm more interested actually on what he had to say about Brad Close on Aaron Francis. And that tackle, whether he thinks he's in trouble there. He didn't comment on it from recollection directly on that, but uh, that'll be interesting to see what the MRO does in relation to that because it wasn't even a free kick, which is the confusing thing. So that shows... And Francis did play out the game. He did. And Mm. just... uh, But uh, the free kick thing doesn't matter. James Sicily got a free kick in his favour and ended up getting three (laughs) Three weeks. Three (laughs) weeks. Exactly right. I think Tom Hawkins will ramp up discussions regarding a contract for next year, in the next couple of weeks. He's managers just back from a short break, and I think those discussions will ramp up as well. But we've got to move along because Cal Ferguson is going to join us next for a full Ashes recap. Australia, well, they're in a good position in the second Ashes test that currently lead by 221 runs. They're looking to go 2-0 up in this fascinating Ashes series. Cal Ferguson next on Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. The Dead Set Legends on Melbourne's 105.1 Triple M. Sport is full of legends. And so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Team, you've been watching the cricket, haven't you? Oh, yes. Absolutely loving it. Just yeah. a joy. I, and the hours just disappear. Like people say test cricket's boring. I find myself sitting there then going... Oh, God, it's one in the morning. I know. Sleep <laughs> I need to go to bed. Tell you who would be sleep-deprived is Cal Ferguson. He's been working hard on the Channel 9 coverage. He's been working hard on Triple M as well. He's mm. uh, everywhere at the moment. Cal, thanks for your time. How's the sleep uh, deprivation going? <laughs> I'm running on caffeine at the moment, but <laughs> it's been unbelievable viewing. It's not been as hard as I thought it was going to be uh, up late at night. Watching and covering the cricket, it's it's been exhilarating stuff. And uh, to see the Aussies dominating like they have been, it's been great. I know. Every session, there just feels like there's going to be so much drama. You never know what's going to happen. But, hey, Australia leading by 221 runs at Stumps on day three. They've got themselves in a great position. Yeah, they have. And, and the fact that the English have had the best of the conditions at every turn is, is what makes it even more impressive. Yeah. Uh, throwing us in there on a raging... Green wicket at Lords on day one, gloomy conditions all day. Uh, and to be able to put 416 on the board was super impressive. And, oh, Steve Smith, uh, absolutely glorious and loves Lords. Uh, made 200 there not that many years ago now. And to get another 100 on day one under the pump on a green wicket was phenomenal. So um, I, I thought what was super impressive was the way they uh, they counted the Basball in the first innings as well when uh, England got, got out there to bat. You know, they got to one for 91 and then two for 188. And they changed the game plan. They went short at England and made them look a bit silly, to be honest. They completely capitulated after that. And, um, yeah, look, they've, they've pressed the ascendancy after going in in gloomy conditions again last night. Uh, can we, let's forget about Steve Smith, Cow. Come on. It's all about Travis Head. Since in the last 12 months, he has averaged 58 with the bat and 15 
with the ball, if you don't mind. Where's his all-rounder status? Come on. Oh, he's one of the great seagulls. He loves coming on the bowl once the tail comes to the crease. He just yeah. he loves it. He loves a, a dry chip on the ground and picks up the and cleans up the mess for everyone. And um, yeah, he would have been licking his lips when he saw Stuart Broad and and Ollie Robinson come to the crease. I, I was saying last night on air that Ollie Robinson said we uh, we had three number 11s. I reckon they showed four or five yeah. yesterday. That was yes. just a dominant performance from the Aussies. Um, just one on that on on this whole baseball and England and their approach and it's exciting at times. Do you think it's verging on reckless now, though, Cal? Yeah, look, not a doubt in the world, Kath. I, I um I just they didn't show a willingness to uh, negate some some tactics from the Australians that you know we've seen forever and a day. When when a batter gets going, you know you you never let them get to fifty or a hundred without facing a bit of a barrage in Australia. Well, it looked like they'd never seen a short ball barrage yeah. in their careers. Uh, they just kept swinging. Um, we had fielders set up for it, and they just they just kept trying to hit through those uh, those fielders. And yeah, you know, when you've got two out behind square on the leg, you've got a, a guy just in front of square leg in the ring, and then another guy out behind him. You know, where, where else are we going to bowl? And and surely if we've just lost Nathan Lyon, if you're batting down the hatches, you you've got to get <clears throat> the Australians are going to have to keep going back to the quicks and. Over a five-test match series, they had an opportunity to re- really put some long overs into our fast bowlers, and they missed it. The Australians forced them into something that clearly they weren't prepared for and, and, and reaped the benefits. It was it was actually really poor test match batting. Uh, Stuart Broad, can we talk about him for a sec, Cal? <laughs> Everyone I yes. speak to who knows Stuart Broad assures me that he's a good bloke. He yeah. is so unlikable out on the ground, <laughs> and he gets more and more unlikable every second I watch him. <laughs> there are so many people that agree with you and so many people that I know that will tell me different. But I love how much he loves playing the villain. He just absolutely thrives on it. <laughs> and uh, I think it really winds up a lot of Australian fans. But, uh, look, he's, he's a showman. Uh, I love what he brings to the game from that point of view. You can see him winding up the crowd over there and really getting them <clears throat> getting them G'd up and, and ready for the next contest. And I don't know whether he's trying to put a bit of pressure on the batters, but it certainly creates a hell of an atmosphere over there. And um, I think you need characters like that. You need the villain, and, and they've certainly got one over there in Stuart Broad. Cal, Nathan Lyon, a huge blow as far as his calf's concerned. How bad is that? And uh, what do you make of uh, Todd Murphy's attributes for the next test? There's big raps on him as the uh, the next big spinning thing. Yeah, there is. But with Nathan, it, it looks bad. Like, I, the calf injuries that I've had throughout my career, and Aaron Finch and I were talking about it last night, on Channel 9, it, you, you're not generally on crutches. You're generally able to walk okay the next day if it's if it's a low-grade calf. Um, he's on crutches, and he looked really, really uncomfortable walking off the ground yesterday, needing to be assisted. We, we both felt as if it was going to be a long way back for him to, to take any further part in this series. But, you know, if you've, if you've played 100 test matches on the bounce, you've generally played with a few injuries. So if anyone's going to get up before the end of the series, uh, it'll be Nathan Lyon. Uh, but but Todd Murphy, I mean, he showed incredible um, calmness and, and, you know, in the face of some of the best players of spin bowling over in India not that long ago now, and, and he was outstanding and, and really um, gave Australia the ascendancy in a number of tests over there on the back of his own performances. So I would suggest he'll come in with confidence. I think the Australian team will have confidence that he's going to be able to step up to the plate. He's the one that I think will definitely come in. I think uh, Kuhneman and 
and Swepson are the other two options, the left arm ortho and, and the leg spinner. I think they'll bring Kuhneman in. The Australian team at the moment and the setup generally seem to like the, the finger spinner option um, just from the point of view that they're generally a bit tighter and they're able to keep the pressure on. Leg spinners can tend to leak a bit. So um, I think they generally like to attack with their fast bowlers and hold a bit more with their spinners. First things first, we've got to win this test match and go 2-0 up. So yes. uh, Kawaja and Smith at the crease at the moment. How do you think the Aussies are going to approach this on day four? Do you think they'll just try bat for as long as they can? They'll have a target in mind? What What do you think's the Aussie mindset heading into day four? Yeah, look, I think they'll be trying to looking to win the game, but uh, they certainly won't be uh, taking any undue risks. Um, you know, there's been a little bit of rain uh, forecast around the place. Nothing outrageous, but uh, they'll be mindful of that. And they'll be watching the forecast because it has been pretty temperamental. Uh, the the bureau over there's uh, not been able to quite nail it down. So I, I think they'll they'll see how the first session goes. Um, it's been pretty gloomy, so it's not been the best batting conditions, but hopefully the sun comes out. They can get to around 400. If they get there, there's been very few chases of more than 230 runs at Lords in history. So um, I think they'll feel like 350 and above would be very comfortable to bowl with, but um, I think they'd like 400. And for credit where credit's due, Johnny Bairstow has been criticised for his poor glove work. But mm. on the uh, first morning, when he picked up that pitch invader, <laughs> did not drop him once on the way to the boundary line. I thought that was great. That no, was super impressive. Yeah. And certainly he'll be, uh, he'll be looking at his rugby prospects going forward um, <laughs> yes. if, if things don't go too well with the willow. But uh, it was as clean as he's caught one for the entire series so far. <laughs> it was a bizarre start to the tears, wasn't it? Hey, Cal, um, try get some sleep in, and we look forward to seeing you on Channel 9's coverage again tonight. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So we need to run through the Saturday and Sunday games. How good that the buys are complete. Oh, and we've got God. a full nine games. I'm so, I'm so over the buy. Yep. And you know what? It ruins Supercoach as well because you've <laughs> got to be a giant Supercoach nerd to be in the game for the I just forget about They're it. They're going to stick with it, the AFL. They said that during the week. It'll be across really? three or four rounds next year again. Yeah, oh, At least three. Three I can take. Four, hey, it just sucks the life out of it. It's the too much. Hey, Tom Brown, has the AFL given consideration to just having one week off for every team? I asked Travis Old, the fixturing boss, this during the week, Limo, and he said they like the continuity of at least having some football on in some shape, fashion or form, and they won't just nip it in the bud and have one round off for everyone, which would give everyone in the industry, including media, players, the, the works, a break. A, a, a week off. Uh, sorry to, to ruin our previews here, Kath, but I'm just <laughs> going to jump in with another one uh, while we're at it. Will there be Thursday night games every week next year or getting more to closer to every week? Not every week, but it's edging closer, as my understanding, yeah. to almost every week. It's certainly seen as the future of, uh, of footy, if you like, in terms of fixturing mm. and those sorts of things. Any sort of way which means less crossover is the best. Yes. For the comp. Um, so today, four games. Starts at Adelaide Oval. We've got the Crows up against North Melbourne. What's the latest with Alistair Clarkson as to when we could see him back in the coach's box? Yes, uh, North Formally announcing yesterday, Kath, that Clarko will be back at the club next week in a part-time capacity. He'll start working with Rats on uh, sort of integrating back into their football program. I think we'll see him post the Hawthorne game uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Liam. I think he'll be back in the hot seat as the senior coach 
probably around round 20 or round 21. Right. It's a phased return for Clarko. Now, surely the Hawthorne game is the bright. That's the week to come back in full force. <laughs> There's a bit of a sticky situation. I wanted to, We need to discuss that, Limo. <laughs> okay. And, uh, well, we spoke earlier today to Jared Harbour about Gold Coast Collingwood. Massive game up there today. Do you give Gold Coast a chance, TB? Yeah, Collingwood definitely concerned about the Gold Coast Suns this afternoon. They're hard to beat at home. And Collingwood, I've got a view they've just been going. I know that's pessimistic, but I think the Gold Coast are a huge chance this afternoon. I think Collingwood share that view. There's 12,000-plus Collingwood fans as part of the school holidays that have gone there. It's a sellout. I think it's the Gold Coast's biggest crowd since 2014. So good. It's unbelievable. That is so great for footy up in Queensland. Uh, The Bulldogs, Fremantle, that's another game on today at Marble Stadium, 145, bounce down. Obviously, a bit of talk about how the Dockers treated Rory Lobb in their meeting earlier Mm. this season, so that's another one to watch. But that's a massive game for both clubs. Bulldogs currently 7th, Dockers 11th. And then tonight at the MCG, this is going to be an absolute beauty. Essendon v Port Adelaide. It's crazy to think that the Bombers, well, they're currently six on the ladder. And I don't know, from your perspective, Tom, as a um, media expert and you cover cover all the press conferences and whatnot during the week, there just doesn't seem to be that much hype around the Bombers considering how well they've done. They've, the club have handled it perfectly and just lowering expectations and just constantly saying we've got the long-term in, in view. It's They've the long-term in a view. A complete lid on expectations. Brad Scott and their media department, very clever at the Bombers. So it's all upside at this stage. Yep. And every time you think they're going to pull back and uh, sort of not start winning games, which would probably suit their draft strategy, they start winning more <laughs> games. They were slightly disappointing last week, the Bombers. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond tonight. I think the Pies fans will be barracking for the Bombers because Port obviously locked in that race for the top spot. Yeah. And there's so much importance this season in particular on spots one and two because no yep. one wants to rock up to Brisbane or Adelaide and play the Lions or Port. That would be a disaster in the first week of the finals. Well, we saw on Thursday night just what the Lions can do up at the Gabba and then Port Adelaide, well, they're absolutely flying and going for a record, club record, 12th straight win, Limo. They're the form in- team of the competition. Oh, they are, they are playing brilliant football. And I know I've spoken to a lot of Port fans in the last few weeks and they are up and about. They are feeling very good about their football team. They want Kenny re-signed, do they? Uh, 100%. They're back, they're back. They were, this time last year, he was gone. Yeah. And now they want him re-signed. And, of course, match of the round tomorrow at the MCG, Hawthorne Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what hey I'm you... doing this, game. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see You know what? what? I kind of, as you well know, Kath, I kind of enjoyed seeing Hawthorne close to the bottom of the ladder because I'm a draft pick guy, right? But now I look at the ladder and I think, Oh, could we finish above Carlton this year? <laughs> Is there a chance we could finish? Getting your hopes up, eh? Well, if we beat them tomorrow, we're only half a game down yeah. on, on Carlton. With the draft talent on display at the moment, Limo, you don't want to finish above the Blues. I think Hawthorne's doing it beautifully at the moment. You've got yes. plenty of up, up, you know, upside. All right. And you're uh, highly in contention for one of the better draft spots. I'll settle for a one-point loss. <laughs> <laughs> what about Melbourne v GWS tomorrow afternoon, Tom? Um, ben Brown has been selected by the Demons and Jacob Van Royen dropped, is that so, right? Yeah, that's right. So the knock on Melbourne at the moment, if you want to create one, is that they weren't, their forward line didn't function well against Geelong the previous week down at Cadenia Park. So they've made a change. Van Ruin out, Ben Brown's come in, um, which I think will be an interesting change. They're just going to obviously yeah. toy... With their forward line options, Melbourne, in the build-up to the finals, because they've got to find more avenues to go. Well, now's the time to do it, isn't it, in the next five-week or so period, and then you want to be 
the Lion come round 2021. Um, finally, Eagles of East Saints. This is the last game of round 16. It's over in Perth. All eyes will be on West Coast and just what sort of response they get Nearest after being thrashed by 171 points last uh, week. Well, given that two weeks ago, I think they got beaten by the bye, didn't they? I think I think the bye <laughs> rolled them by, by, by five goals. So they they should be playing in the waffle. It's uh, uh, eighty points. Eighty points. What are you going, Tom? I'll go fifty-five points. I said that yesterday on the podcast. I think the West Australian headlines during the week have even quoted former Fitzroy players as saying they'd beat West Coast at the moment. <laughs> right. So you know you're at your lowest end when that happens. A lot of pain, but hey, they have a lot of cash too. The dead set legends. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. I'll go first. You can tell who I work for. <laughs> Come on, Give me Kat. a spell. Ad breaks during play. Can't stand it on the cricket. And that's not what you get on Fox. So there we go. My employee will be happy with that. While we're giving him a clip, I'll give him another one as well. I On Thursday night, I was going onto the Channel 9 app to watch the cricket and it kept flicking me onto the rugby, the oh. Thursday night rugby. Oh. So every time I was on the app trying to watch, because I was at a, Oh, because it was hmm. on gym. Oh. It cricket. Was, but it was said cricket live. I pressed the cricket live button and then the rugby came up. Okay. Or the right. Free, yeah. free to air. It's not free. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Tommy. It costs Tommy. money. <laughs> Tommy, do you have a give me a spell? I do. I went to the Hall of Fame on Tuesday night. Sam Mitchell, a very worthy inductee and recipient, mentioned Peter Schwab, mentioned Shane Crawford, didn't mention Alistair Clarkson, rolled up to his weekly press conference yesterday, Sam Mitchell, and said, oh, there, there's no intention to omit Clarko, his four time premiership coach. Sam Mitchell knew exactly what he was doing. It was a very good speech. Eight to ten oh. minutes, great inductee. <laughs> but give me a spell, Sam. He knew, he knew what he was doing. There's clearly no love lost, in my view, and opinion between those two. Oh, very good work there, Tom Brown. Uh, I'm going to uh, give me a spell to Aaron D'Souza. Have you heard about this guy? He is pushing for an enhanced Olympic Games. This is where all drugs are welcome. Oh, there'll be no, no testing. <laughs> in fact, athletes are encouraged to get on the gear to improve their times, their distances, their heights and everything else. And he's pushing for it. He says it's time for the revolution uh, and he wants to make this happen. Aaron D'Souza. Uh, so it becomes like who can get on the gear best, really? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, who's got the best doctor? <laughs> it's doctor v doctor or chemist v chemist. Without naming countries, Limo, I feel that might have happened in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in, the, in the 70s and 80s, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's move on to this. Your dead set legend. Triple M's dead set legend of the week. Four and twenty. We've been there for it all. Australia's original fan food. Mate, you are a legend. Well, there is no competition here. I mean, we all know who our legend of the week is, don't hey. we? Mm. She sold out three MCGs. Taylor Swift oh, has got yeah. to be our She's legend be. of the week. Not even Collingwood could sell out three MCGs in a row. Did you see Mason Cox publicly apologised online for Ray? He's going to he's going to go and he's going to block out everyone behind oh, him. So yeah. he's, he's <laughs> can you believe the obsession? It like, is. It's, I, I knew she was popular. Limo, I didn't know she was this popular. It's extraordinary. I was at the Amazing. comics. I was at the comics lounge on Wednesday night, and I got on the stage and I mentioned Taylor Swift tickets, and then people started making murmurs in the crowd. And then I said, "Oh, who got one?" And someone said, "Yes." And then other people started abusing that person who got a ticket. And I'm like, "Wow, this is going to cast a wedge in some friendship groups." Yeah, imagine, but, imagine Melbourne Town when she's actually here. It'll it'll go off. Amazing, it, Taylor Swift. She's an incredible artist, and uh, yeah, lucky you, whoever has got a ticket. Hey, indeed. great to have you on board this week, Tom. Thanks, Kath. Thanks for filling in. You did a great job. 
Lemo, see you again next week. Indeed. I'll be at the Comics Lounge tonight if anyone is uh, up for a laugh. I'm batching, Lemo. I could maybe stop Come by. Come on down, mate. Have a laugh. <laughs> Have a laugh with Lemo. Hey, the Saturday Rob is up next. It's been Triple M's Dead Set That's it for this week's edition of Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Brought to you by Sportsbet. Follow your multi the easy way with Sportsbet's AFL Same Game Multi Tracker. Conditions apply. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. These legends will be back next week. It's like a Del Santo Montana one, (laughs) two back in the day. (laughs) 